We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Wednesday evening ahead of the Chargers' regular season finale uh, against the Denver Broncos. So obviously a lot to uh, cover today, a lot to discuss. <laughs> uh, great conversation started right away from uh, Mr. Peter in the chat. Um, but, you know, I digress. We'll uh, have a great conversation today about the Chargers' path to the fifth seed, as well as uh, trying our best to cover this preseason-esque game with the Broncos. Uh, we'll obviously yeah. dive into all of that here in a second, but uh, joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, uh, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Uh, you know, had a nice set of conversations today. Um, you know, exciting things are afoot, perhaps. Yeah, if you are uh, not in our Discord, I think you uh, you missed out on some pretty great information today. Uh, from Tyler and some of his uh, great uh, investigating over the past couple of days. So uh, if you are not in the Discord, you can obviously uh, find the links to that in the description wherever you are listening or watching this. Uh, all you have to do is be a member or a patron at a certain tier and you'll get access to the Discord. So uh, hop on over there, get lots of uh, great conversations, great information from us as uh, as we get it. So uh, Alex is here as well, man. Alex, what's up? How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Um, I don't digress. I am glad to hear that Peter has started his <laughs> evening dump uh, in the YouTube group <laughs> chat. So I'm glad that somewhere around the world, wherever you're listening from, that the three of us can be with you in this tender moment in the bathroom. Uh, so glad that we can be a part of your bathroom break. 
Yeah, I had an info dump and you're having a a dump dump, you know? A dump dump. (laughs) It's a a dump. uh, It's a dumping evening, I guess. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I guess. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, like I said, if you are, uh, interested in, uh, that information, uh, you can feel free and find that, uh, in the discord. So that's where, well, you, we prefer to, uh, keep it. So you can obviously go check that out. So, um, obviously a bit of a different show, like I mentioned, uh, lots of uncertainty, uh, around the status of this game in terms of who's going to play, who's going to be resting. So, uh, first and foremost, we, we're going to dive into the playoff scenario here. Obviously the chargers, uh, because of the way everything is kind of played out in the AFC um, no matter what they will be at least the sixth seed however if they win against the Denver Broncos or the Ravens lose against the Cincinnati Bengals the Chargers would be the five seed so obviously the the Ravens and the Bengals will kick off uh, they're the early game so 10 a.m here for uh, the West Coasters or 1 p.m for the East Coasters and then the uh, Chargers and Broncos will kick off a few hours after that so after uh, basically the Chargers will know their future in terms of playoff seeding by the time the Ravens and the Bengals game ends and they have to kick off. So Brandon Staley has already came out and said today that um, they it sounds like they are planning to play uh, obviously a lot of their key players, but uh, they will make an adjustment if need be. So essentially they're going to go into this game with two different plans. So Alex, we'll start with you here. Uh if the Ravens lose, where are you at? Who are you resting? Are you resting anybody? What's kind of the mindset for you if the Ravens do end up losing on uh, Sunday morning? Uh, the whole team. Uh, let's do Chase Daniel, Larry <laughs> Roundtree, Brendan Hymas. Just put them all in there let's and we go. can treat this like it's a preseason game. Um, I think there is like a bit of hesitancy amongst fans whenever you just like rest everyone, right? Because they're sort of the like, you know. Packers last year in the playoffs where you rest everyone for a certain amount of time but uh I don't know I mean I don't think the Chargers have to worry about that much and the more that you get a chance to rest your guys like that can only be advantageous in the grand scheme of things and based on the Chargers if they clinch the five seed I would better more than likely playing the first game on Saturday um against the winner of the AFC South uh than playing Sunday so I mean getting Uh, that rest anyway for your starters would be a good idea and you know obviously you can't go into this game you don't have a 90-man roster you can't rest everyone um, if the Ravens lose right but you can play things out where you know maybe Herbert plays for a quarter or half Uh, maybe you kind of start with Eckler in the first couple series and then you know give give it to Kelly and, and Roundtree as the game sort of goes on and do the same thing sort of with the defensive players. Obviously, everyone is in a bit of a different situation too, right? You have Joey Bosa, who is coming back from injury, trying to get more reps, or you have somebody like Trey Pipkins, who's been kind of managing that sprained MCL throughout the year, you know, so that's somebody who might need rest a little bit more, right, than Joey Bosa, who is actively trying to get more reps. So in the event that they lose to the, uh, or the Ravens lose, I should say, then I think that you try to, you know, be as cautious as you can and pull as many guys as you can. But obviously, you know, you can't really make it like a rest everyone kind of game uh, either. So I think the Chargers will kind of walk the fine line and and really present two game plans, potentially going into that game, one where the Ravens obviously do beat the Bengals and the Chargers still have to play that game 
for the fifth seed and another one in which they can, you know, kind of tone down the aggressiveness throughout the game, maybe start through with a quarter or a half or a series of drives that they have planned and then kind of figure out what their benching plan is um, in the event that the Ravens uh, do lose. So, you know, I think the Chargers and Brandon Staley kind of signified in his press conference day, they'll go with it Mm -hmm. as it goes. Yeah, I think Alex covered all that perfectly. Uh, Brandon Staley indicated, this is from Jeff Miller, that the result of the Ravens game Sunday will impact how the Chargers approach their regular season finale versus Denver. I think for Brandon Staley to already come out and say that, because I feel like he's someone, you know, even with Joey Bosa, it's like, oh, you know, no update, no update and the next day. Oh, yeah, he's back. He's practicing. <laughs> you know, he's a guy who's kind of kept it very close to the chest. But for this one, he's like, yeah, no, if, if basically saying if if the Bengals win, that changes everything. So I think like Alex said, they'll have two different or you know, maybe three different scenarios, depending on what happens with that game although they won't know really so someone mentioned like you, you have to announce inactives bef- like an hour and a half before kickoff or whatever it is right i believe that's still the limit so they'll probably just have to have everyone they expect yeah you know to play like it's a real game active but um regardless it's huge because i know you know they're probably not going to rest everyone for the entire game but you know the titans and jaguars play on saturday and the Chargers will i mean unless something weird happens they're playing one of those two teams on the road and the charges would go from, you know, the team that has like six or seven days potentially of rest, you know, after a tough road win in, in Denver division matchup um, to one that has starters who get to rest for, you know, as, as far back as potentially New Year's Day um, you know, and a game at home that wasn't all that physical. So it's really, really big for them because instead of the Titans or Jaguars potentially being the team that maybe gets that extra day of rest. Now it's the Chargers who, for most of their starters, either they get you know almost two weeks worth of rest since the New Year's Day game, or they play like you know a quarter, maybe a half or something, and are much more rested to go on the road. So it's it's huge for them that the Bengals win, of course, and then we'll see what happens with their strategy um, after that game. Yeah, so I'm, the against the Rams, it was kind of uh, load management for a few players. I mean, Kalumak did not play, you know, anywhere close to his usual snaps. Sebastian Joseph Day as well. And that was kind of from the jump. Um, you know, it didn't really seem like there were many offensive players that were were getting that same kind of treatment. So I almost wonder from an offensive standpoint, if it's better for this team to try and at least play the starters for a half and continue to try and, you know, improve upon last week's success. Even if you already know that the Ravens are, are kind of wrapped up or, or if you have already the 5C the wrapped up, excuse me. Um, and so that, that's kind of where my head is at. I think from a defensive standpoint, you can probably head into this one and say, Hey, like, we're just not going to play Sebastian Joseph day. We're not going to play Kalua Mack. Um, Derwin James, who's obviously had the, the concussion recently. We're not going to play him, but I, I do think it is important to approach this game, you know, from an offensive perspective and say, Hey, like we haven't played our best ball. We need to at least go out here and have a, a, a very successful first half. And um, that's just kind of where my head is at. I think obviously you're, you're a little bit concerned about certain players and, and some health. Obviously Austin Eckler has been a little bit banged up. Uh, Trey Pipkins has been a little bit banged up. So I, I would understand if they headed into this game and said, Hey, like we're going to rest all these guys, obviously assuming that the Ravens do lose. But I, I kind of like Jorge is pointing out. I do think that from an offensive perspective, they, they still need some fine tuning so that's just kind of where my head is at, at least on offense. I do think that they kind of need to continue to to build off of last week as opposed to just heading into this and saying, hey, we're just going to rest all the veterans who are, are kind of uh, spoken for at this point. 
Yeah, that absolutely works for me. I had went back to watch or to look at the 2018 game where they were able to rest players against Denver in the final game of the regular season. And my memory, I thought that they had rested guys in the second half and just like for the entire second half. I forgot that they started that game so poorly on offense. I think there was an interception from Rivers and then a fumble or something like that, that they kept wanting to play in the game to make sure they got things tuned up a bit. They ended up scoring 23 points and getting two or three more touchdowns. And then they're like, okay, that's enough. Now we can head to the postseason. So I could definitely see the Chargers doing that, like you said, just you know, tuning it up a little bit, maybe score a couple, see how it goes. Heck, if it's one series and it's a clean operation and then they score you know, everything they wanted to do, fine, pull them. But I, I do want to see them get going just a bit more, figure out that run game just a bit more, throw into the end zone score. That would be nice. You know, and I think the opponent matters here too because – Sure. Like if the Chargers were sort of playing the Chiefs, right, who are a team that is, you know, still going to be playing for something this week, um, they're going to be playing for the one seed. So, I mean, that game against the Raiders for them is someone where they're going to play all their starters, um, you know, until maybe they're up on uh, Jared Stidham's Raiders like 40 points. But <laughs> but until then, they're going to play their starters um, with the Broncos. Like, I don't know how much you're tuning your offense up against them relative to, like, if you were playing a team like the Chiefs or Raiders this week, considering sure. the state of the Broncos, right? Um, but yeah, I definitely think at the very least, you'll probably still, even in the event where the Ravens uh, do lose, have the starters play for uh, a quarter or a half, depending on, you know, how things go. Um, and they can also sort of play that by ear during the game, um, you know. Uh, if they feel like there's a lot of, you know, offensive line pressure, for example, maybe they decide to pull Herbert. If they, you know, feel through other circumstances that they just, you know, want to rest guys, you can also play that through, you know, how the game script goes um, and how things are going as well. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a, a perfect, okay, well, they'll pull the people out at this quarter or this half um, or do it in the third quarter because they could, you know, have a tons of different scenarios, like we said, coming into the game. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like you probably want that offensive tune up, but I feel like it, it was good that they had the Rams game going into this one where the offense finally, you know, not as totally fixed, but finally clicked, uh, prior to this game where you could potentially get some rest either, you know, through parts of the game or the second half, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, like Tyler's pointing out the, the, inability to kind of know with uh the inability to know if you have to play them or not obviously is a little bit tougher with the inactives and like alex mentioned you're not you don't have a 90-man roster so um i i kind of do expect them to play some starters obviously i think there are certain players who've been a little bit banged up who you could probably get away with resting you know you probably want to rest trey pipkins with his knee issue i don't know if trey wants to rest given the way that he kind of came back from that uh, on sunday um, you know, Kilo Max, Sebastian Joseph Day, obviously mentioned Derwin James, but you know, there to me, it's it's a very interesting balance of trying to continue to play your best ball, which was Brandon Staley has talked about uh, at least last week, and then obviously trying to maintain some health. So uh, we'll obviously see what happens throughout the week. It does sound like Lamar Jackson is not going to play this week, so it is going to be another week for uh, Tyler Huntley against the Bengals, and that hasn't exactly gone well uh certainly not as well as guys like me would have hoped that he would be playing um so it, it, it i have a tough time imagining the ravens winning this weekend um obviously there's a lot of money shifting towards the Broncos side uh, i think Arjun pointed this out 
Chargers opened up as three and a half point favorites, and now it's Broncos minus two and a half, I think is what the tweet said. So uh, Vegas certainly expects the Chargers to uh, not be playing starters, at least uh, not be playing Justin Herbert, who, for what it's worth, did show up on the injury report today with a shoulder yeah. injury. Uh, Brandon said he did say that it's not serious. He expects him to be a full participant in, in practice this week. Um, but it, it seems like Vegas expects the Chargers to be resting starters. Yeah, and internally they feel the same. So I think if Brandon Staley is saying it out loud, if Vegas is shifting that way, if internally they feel that way, I think we're going to expect a good chunk of starters to be rested at some point during this game. Not a surprise. Yeah, generally when Vegas shifts one way or the other, they definitely know something uh, is up regarding injuries or something else. Uh, so I do think that is the case here. Uh, the other thing that I thought in addition to, you know, Tyler pointing out the, you know, uh, who's going to be in and out on game days. The Chargers probably have to do practice squad elevations uh, mm-hmm. 24 hours before the game like they normally do. So I'll be curious to see who they elevate given the circumstance of both scenarios having to obviously potentially play that Broncos game. Who are the practice squad elevations if, you know, they sort of don't have to do yeah. that, but obviously they won't know that uh, on Saturday. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how they handle that in terms of elevating guys and moving guys around on the roster preparing for both situations yeah because in theory you'd want to see some well okay if you're the team and not us the fans you'd want to see some of easton stick but he's been active every single week so you'd have to find someone to you know who do you inactivate in that particular scenario yeah. i don't know and obviously you're, you're going to keep herbert active so do they carry three quarterbacks knowing they're probably going to sit herbert i guess um, but the question then becomes like alex is talking about who do you elevate who do you inactivate how do you play that game yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring that up too, because uh we've gotten a few people saying <laughs> that they're gonna be they're gonna be at the game. Um and I think in general, like yeah, I understand not wanting to watch Chase Daniel for three hours. Uh I mean they they did nothing but screen passes and swing passes for Chase Daniel on Sunday against the Rams. I think this is kind of a spot where you do start Easton Stick instead of Chase Daniel. Uh, you know, Chase Daniel obviously probably trending towards retirement i mean he's doing the tv thing now or at least was doing um so i I think this is kind of a spot where you lean into the young guys lean into the guys who haven't gotten a ton of reps uh obviously i hope uh jt woods and isaiah spiller's careers pan out a little bit better than i than easton sticks has in terms of reps in the future um but i think you just play all the young guys man like treat if you're gonna rest them then give all these young guys as many reps as they possibly can handle um and you know obviously you want to keep some of the veterans in there to continue to get their reps but you know nick neiman uh isaiah spiller all these guys stone smart they should get as many reps as possible this week yeah Easton stick included in, in my opinion if you're going to head into this and say hey we're going to rest some guys like just keep all the second team <laughs> at standby but play as many mm-hmm. young guys as you can yep i would agree and as soon as you pull one of the starting offensive linemen please pull herbert like if you have any if you want to put out Herbert in the offense, starting offense, that's fine. As soon as Foster Sorrell goes in, please, <laughs> please pull Justin Herbert from the game. Yeah, um, definitely want to, you know, pull Justin Herbert in that case if that happens. I'll be. We would want to see someone like Spiller get snaps. Uh, I'll be curious to see if that is on the Chargers' agenda if they want to do that, because then the counterpoint to that is well. 
if Larry Roundtree is going to be your third running back in the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that we're probably going to have going forward because they like him on special teams, then do you get him reps in the event that Eckler or Spiller get injured? Or sorry, Eckler or Kelly get injured, you know, in a playoff yeah. game, I should say. So I'll be curious to see how they manage playing the young guys versus, you know, in a, in a situation like the running backs. And you can apply this to some of the other positions on the roster as well playing some of the younger guys that you know maybe aren't as experienced but could need to play in a playoff game yeah absolutely and kind of answered renee's question here a little bit but i wanted to uh mm-hmm. shout him out for this super chat as well um la chargers fan wants to know uh in this regard could the offense have any plays they are saving so um you know i went back and obviously watched the game tape from last night and the game plan was pretty different than what i remember watching it in person it was a lot more uh, gap and power schemes was not a whole lot of zone uh, options on the ground. So I, I think that's one twist that they've kind of leaned into a little bit more and more each week. Um, I don't think there's necessarily any specific plays other than maybe like some trick plays that they haven't run. Like they only did the Philly Philly special one time last year. Uh, I don't know if they have anything like that, that they're saving and they're not obviously going to use those for the Broncos game, but um I would imagine the game plan is is pretty vanilla if you're not playing Justin Herbert and company. Oh, yeah. No, that'd be hilarious. They unleash the playbook with Easton Stick. Uh, We've been waiting for this (laughs) whole time. This week is the Easton Stick is Taysom Hill week, baby. Let's run it. (laughs) Oh, man. There is a play from training camp that they haven't done yet, and that's that Herbert has the option to pitch it to Mike Williams on a run. I swear they ran it once in practice. They have not run it yet, but that is that exists. So if it pops up, hit the like button on this video. It probably won't because <laughs> that sounds like a horrible idea. But they tried it once in practice. So like they jet motion him and then pitch it to him. I, all, all I remember is that Herbert and Mike Williams are running outside to the right. And Herbert has the option to pitch it to Mike Williams and he keeps it instead. But Mike Williams is in his hip pocket like a running back would be. Huh. I was laughing though when the when they did the tunnel screen to Mike Williams on uh Sunday against the Rams, my guy had like a huge lane and blockers, and he was like, No, 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 I'm not going back inside. I'm just gonna stick outside. Uh so <laughs> uh clearly something that Mike Williams is not super comfortable with in that role, but uh you know, it is what it is. You're forgiven for the game he had. Good news yes, is that absolutely. if if they have to pull or they get the chance to pull Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, Joe Lombardi, you can run as many Josh Palmer screens as you want for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, honestly, they should go to Josh Palmer. All right. So, uh, again, that, that's kind of our, our playoff uh, you know, scenarios here. Um, in terms of the injuries, there, there aren't necessarily a ton to really talk about. Um, you know, from a Chargers perspective, from a Broncos perspective, this is the other thing is that several key Broncos players outside of the ones who are already injured are are popping up on the injury report as well. So um, they did place Dalton Reisner on injured reserve today. And also uh, in that regard, Damari Mathis, uh, Calvin Anderson, who's been their starting left tackle. Quinn Miners, Mike Purcell, Kareem Jackson, <laughs> Kwan Williams, and DJ Jones all did not practice today. Uh, so that's the other thing to really keep in mind here is that the Broncos are even p- perhaps more injured than the Chargers were about six weeks ago. So 
Uh, this is going to be a very interesting preseason game feel, if you will. Um, you know, it, it just is unfortunate for both of these teams, obviously, the way that the injuries have panned out. But, um, yeah, if the Chargers do have to win, it's not like this is going to be the Broncos, you know, A team. It's going to be a lot of JV guys and Russ. Yeah, you know, the, the videos of Russell Wilson practicing by himself and, and giving like calls out pregame. It's just him like breaking up the huddle. That'll be him on Sunday, I think, at the rate that Broncos are going with their injuries because boy, are they banged up. I, I, I do feel bad because we've, we've been there. Um, the Chargers get to play their preseason team because they get to and because they want to. The Broncos have to, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So again, if, if the Chargers need to win, you know, for what the third week in a row, they're playing the team's backups, backups. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield and the Rams, Nick Foles and the Coles without Jonathan Taylor, the Titans without anybody in one quarterback with one hobbled foot. Like, again, like if they need this game, they absolutely can't win it because the Broncos, I, I do feel bad for them. There's barely any players left for that team. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder why Russell Wilson's playing. Um, I mean, they've invested sure. $245 million in him and you have that's why nothing <laughs> protecting him. Yeah, yeah, but it's like you have nothing protecting him on the offensive line now. The whole team around him is trash. I mean, he's, he's been asked to, but, but like you can't really <laughs> like do anything at this point. And I, I just you fired the coach. You're not playing yeah. for anything. I mean, I'm not saying you want to like tank the game because I'm sure the Broncos are still playing for pride and whatever it might be. But I'm kind of curious as to why he's playing still. Maybe just because they don't have anyone else and they need someone to go out there. Um, yeah, as far as the injury situation, this is why I think the Chargers, even if the Ravens do win, could make quick work against the Browns. Um, Don't want to jinx myself or don't want to jinx ourselves because the Chiefs were in a close game against them last week. Uh, crazy things have happened in Denver before, uh, as we yeah. know. Uh, so, you know, you never want to count them out. But this is just a game where I don't know if we're going to learn a whole lot about the Chargers offense or, you know, anything much about the Chargers defense just because of the direction the Broncos are headed. Uh, unfortunately, it might be a little bit different if you're playing the Raiders, if you're playing the Chiefs this week. Um, but the Broncos are just kind of um, a different situation all around. So, yeah, definitely curious whether the Chargers win or whether the Ravens win or lose how much the Chargers will end up playing their guys if it turns into some kind of close game or if the Chargers could kind of do what the Rams did a few, few weeks ago, which is just keep Emprilla and the Broncos will implode. Um, that's sort of what happens. So, you know, hoping for that kind of outcome in the event that the Ravens do win, but obviously hoping that, you know, the Ravens lose and then that this is, you know, a kind of a non-starter anyway. Yeah, very fair. Um, you know, the, there is obviously this uh, sentiment that the Broncos are kind of checked out. And I think that would have been more applicable if last week were their Rams game, right? When they got completely blown out of the water. But, you know, they yeah. did just play the Chiefs tough. So they still have a lot of, you know, prideful guys out there. They're still trying to fight. You know, Justin Simmons had an interception last week. Um, we'll see if any of these guys out in the injury report play. But obviously you still have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. But um you know the, the the recipe for the broncos has obviously changed a lot um and that includes uh russell wilson having an a dot of 4.5 last week uh against the chiefs so um they're clearly going to have a very different offensive approach uh you know without 
you know, all of these key players and obviously the offensive linemen in general. So um, again, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys posted in terms of the injuries and everything that we're hearing, but um, this is going to be a banged up matchup on either side, regardless of, of if the Chargers are, are uh, playing key starters or not. On God their bless side those of you. Oh, sorry. God bless those of you that are going and paid money to go see <laughs> this game. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, the NFL and all of us included probably expected this to be a much higher profile game uh, to close out the season than it will end up being. Yeah, apparently if we just play Denver the final game of the year, that means we're going to the postseason. So that's good. Yeah, there we go. Um, all right. So on, on the Chargers side of things, uh, some good news here um, that is obviously public news is obviously Derwin James was a full uh, estimated participant. The Chargers did do a walkthrough today, so they did not uh, practice fully. Um, but Derwin James listed as a full. It, it sounds like he's progressing well um, through concussion protocol. And obviously, you know, if the Chargers need him to play, it sounds like he probably will end up being able to play this week. Um, Bryce Callahan, Justin Herbert, Eamon Ogbongwamiga, Troy Reader, and Jamari Salyer are all listed on the injury report as well, but also listed as full participants. So the the big one to keep an eye on, obviously, is Trey Pipkins and his knee issue. Uh, that's really, unfortunately, bothered him all throughout the season, pretty much just since, basically, since week five, I believe it was against the Browns. He's been dealing with this kind of uh, MCL knee sprain, but he was listed as a limited participant this week. Um, again, I feel like that probably is somebody you want to head into this week, maybe resting, giving him a week off, getting him healthy for the playoff game if you can. Um, but you know, it does sound like he's going to try and continue to play, uh, you know, incredibly tough individual for him to, you know, limp off the field and barely be able to walk and then come back into that game and play really, really well, in my opinion. Um, so really that's the big one for the chargers. Xander Horvath, also a limited participant, uh, sounds like he's progressing well, uh, too, though. So really Trey Pipkins is, is the only active roster injury to keep an eye on for the chargers. Yeah, I think we did. Of course. Yeah, I think we ended up seeing outside of maybe one series, you know, everyone gets their reps in or whatever. I think we see Herbert, Lindsley, and Pipkins all pulled um, at the same time, whenever that is, whether it's before the game or, you know, a couple series in. Yeah. Um, and I think all the guys on the injury report that you kind of mentioned are guys that, depending on the results of the Ravens game, they can decide. Uh, to be pretty cautious. James, obviously, from protocol, even if he passes that, um, you could decide to potentially rest him in this game if it were not to matter. Uh, but yeah, o- overall, uh, I think that the Chargers injuries this game are going to be interesting to watch and see how they you know move around with those. Was interested to see Herbert with the shoulder thing uh, on the mm-hmm. injury report, but that seems to be more precautionary than anything at this point. Yeah, he was he was a little bit slow to get up after I I feel like that crazy player where he almost got sacked and then like still managed to get that ball out to Joshua Kelly, which was just so hilarious to watch on film. Mm -hmm. He was like a little slow to walk off the field after that instance. So um, sounds like he's going to be fine. And thankfully, it's not his throwing shoulder, at least, Um, you know, Brandon Staley called it normal bumps and bruises, but. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, anytime Justin is on the injury report, it, it's definitely not ideal. Yeah. There was a hit or a sack on the far side where Herbert was slow to get up. I can't remember which one the, maybe it was that play, but I remember Herbert being on the ground. So, um, I don't remember, but there was definitely a play where Herbert was slow to get up. And so, yeah, 
get them off the field as soon as possible. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just saw uh, Peter's response back to us and uh, was cracking up a little bit. So uh, <laughs> hope you're uh, having a good evening there, Peter. Um, all right. So again, we'll, we're a little bit of a different feel. We don't know who's playing in this game. <laughs> uh, so we'll try our best in terms of like key matchups and victory formation yeah. and things like that. Um, try and essentially look at this game as if the Chargers have to win. Uh, so I think really mm-hmm. the, the way to kind of approach this is is convincing ourselves that the Ravens will win this game and the Chargers do obviously have to to play their guys. So um, Alex, we'll start with you here uh, for your victory formation pick. Uh, again, assuming that the Ravens win in this instance, how do the Chargers obviously come out victorious against the Broncos on uh, Sunday afternoon? Pass rush pressure on Russell Wilson. Um, I feel like that's a, a, a pretty obvious answer. Uh, you got Khalil Mack, uh, and you know when Russell Wilson's been under pressure this season, as we saw in multiple games, as we saw even in the Rams game in situations where he hasn't been under pressure, um, you know he's been turning the ball over. So I mean the quickest way to making this game non-competitive is turn battle, getting Russ to turn the ball over. Um, and so I think that Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the edges with the state of this Broncos offensive line uh, are the quickest keys to doing that uh, in this game. So for me, it's just going to be pressuring us. Uh, make sure you kind of, you know, bring everyone on every play, honestly, because the, the Broncos don't have many players left to cover uh, at this point other than probably Jerry Judy. Um, so that's kind of the only person you're really worried about. Maybe Alberto and some like tight end formations that they could run. The Chargers have had a little bit of trouble stopping tight ends recently. Um, so maybe that's kind of someone that you want to keep an eye on. But other than that, yeah, I, I think this game in terms of whether the Broncos offense can compete with the Chargers offense ultimately comes down to Russ's performance at the end of the day, because I think he'll have to play, uh, at a Seattle type of level, uh, to be able to keep up with Chargers, which is not something we've seen from him this season. And he would have to be Seattle Russ, particularly under pressure, too. Um, and that's something we haven't seen from him this season. So pressure Russ and you win the game and everyone mm-hmm. can probably rest by the third or fourth. Uh, so to me, that's key in this matchup in terms of whether the Broncos can not keep up with Herbert. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm both rooting for the rush to do well and also not because they keep, you know, Morgan Fox keeps pricing himself out of the Chargers range <laughs> um, with every sack he gets every week. And Kyle Van Noy is going to go with his probably his fifth week with a sack. So, you know, 
pressure maybe maybe not, not maybe not sacks you know i want to keep these guys around <laughs> yeah that'd be nice for what it's worth uh again it's last week it sounds like the broncos were doing a lot more quick game a lot more emphasis on the run game um the chiefs did have they'd rack up 18 total pressures four sacks and four additional hits so they they did get after russ at a pretty high level i mean they, they hit him eight total times so um you know the chargers being able to get that kind of output would be uh, mm-hmm. fantastic as well. So really quickly wanted to point this out. Uh, our guy, Jameson, obviously has done great work with Tyler this year on all of the injuries. Unfortunately had, was a very busy man in that regard. Um, he thinks that Trey Pipkins will likely rest. Uh, don't think it was a full reaggravation as he did go back in the game, which is fantastic to hear. Uh, but he does say an extra week of rest with an MCL will make a big difference for him. So, um, maybe somebody that we can kind of bank on resting almost regardless of what happens in the Bengals and Ravens game. Yeah. Thanks for chiming in, Jameson. I think maybe the first time I've seen you in the live chat, but I could be wrong, but yes, excellent work. Your last video got like 4,000 something views. So appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tyler, your victory formation segment here. It's partially a, a tune up thing as well. And that's the only thing that the, the defense really had difficulty with, I guess it's kind of a combination of things versus the Rams, and it did have me a bit more concerned on rewatch. It's a combination of how they played the run when it terms in terms of the personnel that they used, you know, how they played certain run fits and responsibilities, and then just the missed tackles in that game. There was that pitch to Akers on their first or second drive that went for 22 yards, where on two separate occasions, one Chargers defender would run into another one and take them out of the play. That happened again, you know, on the outside in the Lohi Gilman. You know, got to Akers after like 15 or 18 yards. He ended up, you know, slowing him down, but still missing the tackle. Um, just not clean. You know, we really wanted to see better from this team, specifically this run defense. Just the window dressing, the pre-snap action. It was all really tough for the Chargers. They really got gashed when they only had two defensive tackles, especially when it wasn't someone like Fahoko in there. Um, when they added a third defensive tackle too, they would also like the Rams would go, okay, you have three defensive tackles. You know, it looks like you're going to stop the run. That's fine. And that's when they did like that pitch out to Akers. So it was kind of sweet to watch the Rams run the football because they had a lot of fun stuff that they did. And if the Chargers want to take that, hey, go for it with the way their tight ends. And maybe if Slater comes back, you know, that's you can do those things. Um, but it's pretty sweet what they were doing, but not fun if you're watching it as a Chargers fan. <laughs> Um, if the Rams were able to do that the entire game and they actually had talent, I think they would have given the Chargers a lot more problems. Um, with especially with the Chargers playing like half a game at maybe of Joey Bosa and Kyle Van Noy, you know, I think this is kind of a matchup thing too. But Chris Rump needs to play a lot better than he has and step up in a huge way against the run because in the postseason, as soon as that rotation comes in and let's say Joey's out. Let's say Clomax out for whatever reason. You know, they're just rotating guys in. You see Chris Rumpf, you're running right at him. And I'm talking like worse than Jerry Tillery situation for this particular one because at least Jerry Tillery kind of had some size there. Chris Rumpf has been, it's been rough. And I'm not saying like, oh, Kava, no, he's been so good. But like, here it is with Chris Rumpf. And I know people don't like when I talk negatively about him, but like I have to, I have to the same way with like Jerry Tillery. You remember how much we didn't like Jaleel Adai's missed tackle rate uh, playing free safety? Yeah. Chris Rump's missed tackle rate, which is the worst in the NFL right now at any defensive position, is 54% higher than Adai's missed tackle rate that year when he played free safety. (laughs) So that's not good. And his run stop rate is one, which means it would take a thousand snaps for him to get 
10 run stops, uh, which is second worst in the league. For reference, Jerry Tillery's run stop rate last year was 4.8, and Chris Rums is now 1.0. So, you know, I want to see them play the run better. I want to see them use, you know, someone like Braden Fajoko a little bit more. He only has had 12 run defensive snaps the last two weeks, um, 12 each the last two weeks. I think he had like 24 against the Titans. And of course, that looked great. Um, I don't know why he has more pass rush snaps than run defense snaps because that's not going to get mm. you anywhere. Maybe that's a, a Rams, you know, Colts sort of thing where they would opt and check out of certain looks. Um, regardless, big story, long story short, the Chargers against the Rams were the second worst in EPA per play against the run. And they were second worst in success rate or gave up the highest or second highest success rate, I should say. So they got to clean that up. You're going into the postseason. If you're going to go out there and, and play these playoff teams who can run, and all of them can, work on your run fits, work on your three defensive tackle packages, clean things up. I think that's just as important, if not more, than the offense cleaning things up as well. Alex, did you have something to say there? Yeah, no, I mean, just finishing on what Tyler said, you know, we sort of talked about the run defense, uh, you know, after the Rams game last week, and they were sort of like, well, you know, we'll see what happens when we watch the film, and you watch the film, and it was still pretty ugly, like, yeah, you could take out the Cam Akers big run, and then maybe he's only averaging this, but like, still pretty bad, like four and a half yards per carry, and you know, you have an explosive play in there, right, so... Um, and you know, like Steven said, you're going to be playing these running backs in the playoffs and the Chargers first round opponents. Should they clinch the fifth seed? Will either be Derrick Henry or it will be Travis Etienne, right? So you have to prepare to face, uh, you know, different types of running backs, but explosive guys, uh, nonetheless. And you would like to see them, you know, clean it up this week if they can. Yeah. When I watched the film back, it was, it was really frustrating to, to watch. I thought Alohi Gillen was probably the best of, of, that middle four, if you will, in terms of the linebackers and the two safeties. But there were, you know, four or five instances where both Kenneth Murray and Nasir Adderley kind of took themselves out of the play because they misdiagnosed yeah. and, you know, they go too far this way and then the play mm-hmm. is going the other way. Um, so there was there was a lot of poor, you know, mental reps from, you know, the, the middle four. And that includes Drew Tranquil. I thought, you know, Drew Tranquil had, you know, one of his worst games of the season as well. So, mm-hmm um that's that's aside from chris Rump, you know his incredibly high missed tackle rate um i will say he's he's in the position to make these plays it's for whatever yes. reason he's just not able to finish them so i guess if you're a glass half full guy then you know you, you can point to chris Rump kind of getting into that uh position and being at least ready to make the play and not just being able to finish the job so um mm-hmm. hopefully chris Rump is able to kind of turn that corner but in terms of the middle four man it was just you know, time and time again, they would motion somebody, then they would motion somebody else. And you could tell the middle four were just not handling that properly. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of times like Tyler highlighted, you know, where the linebackers would run into somebody or the safeties would run into somebody and essentially just take themselves out of the play. And you can't do that against a super sound scheme like the Rams have or like the Jacksonville Jaguars have. So this is this. I think that's a great point, Tyler, because this is uh, an opportunity for them to bounce back. And um, you know, I think the improvement of the run defense has not been like monumental over this win mm-hmm. streak, but they can play at an average level, a league average level, and they didn't on Sunday against the Rams. So uh need to get that bounce back to what it's been over the the previous, you know, four or five weeks. Yeah. And you know, they again they did give the Rams, excuse me, the Broncos quite a fit. I think the Broncos have been for most of the year despite their injuries, you know, better scheme, stronger, more sound, and they gave them a ton of fits too. So it's not like this was a cakewalk matchup. 
but still you'd like to see them do better. And like you said, Drew Tranquil, like wasn't his best game, you know, and a lot of guys that were stepping up and were playing better kind of went backwards this game. So you want to keep that consistent heading into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, you know, I mentioned this in terms of the offense, but um, you know, the, the chargers have to continue to figure out what kind of rushing attack they want to be and, and how to successfully, uh, you know, attack these games. And I'm, I'm like, I, I've always said, Never calling for like a 50-50 split here. However, if Chase Daniel is starting, I think you probably want to you probably do want to see a 50-50 split uh with the run game. So um I, I really enjoyed what they did. And you know, they they had a really good mix of power concepts where they would actually bring in the three tight ends. Thought mm-hmm. Donald Parham had a really fantastic game. And, and and frankly, this was the first time you really, you know, felt his his physical presence that he's able to bring as a blocker. Um, then they would bounce it out with, uh, you know, running out of shotgun and 11 personnel. That was Austin Eckler's first touchdown was this, uh, really great counter concept out of 11 personnel to the weak side. Trey Pipkins, Mm -hmm. Matt Filer had some great blocks to, uh, spring Austin Eckler for the touchdown. So, um, they've really started to find their way with the shotgun run game. And I think that's something that, you know, they need to keep working on for whatever reason. It didn't work at all with Larry Roundtree whenever he was in at the end of the game. (laughs) Um, so, you know, if you're resting Austin Eckler, I do think we still need to see this offensive line and this scheme kind of get after it a little bit more, and um, you know, be able to to put to to put this you know Broncos defense that's kind of uh, you know really banged up out of its misery essentially. So, um, regardless of who's playing, I do want to see this be you know a sound schematic approach on the ground, um, and really just kind of continue this momentum into the postseason that way. Yeah. Um, and I'll just say, you know, speaking about that from purely a run back stamp from a running back standpoint, right? Um, we have talked about Austin Eckler, obviously had the big game last week. If we're sort of talking about this from what we'd like to see from the other running backs, you know, assuming Austin Eckler can either rest or maybe he plays the first two or three quarters of this game, depending on what the Chargers need, then I'd like to see a bit of a, you know, confidence boosting game from Joshua Kelly heading into the postseason because Joshua Kelly is someone yeah. who's going to have to play a pretty yeah. big role in the playoffs, even if they're going to kind of run the ball through Eckler um, and run a lot of the offense through Eckler. He's going to you know, be someone who's basically their running back two at this point, and he's kind of coming off of a stretch here of two or three not-so-great games in terms of his vision, just you know, had not having the most confidence in, in his decision-making in this scheme, whenever he does either you know, bounce outside um, or you know, whatever he decides to do on a certain play. So i just like to see that confidence you know, assuming a lot, uh, you know, some of the offensive line is at least out there and they can get, you know, some, you know, chase down ball, Joshua Kelly, Roundtree. If that is what happens, um, I'd like to see those two guys, you know, get some kind of confidence in the postseason. And I, I hate to say like, oh, give Larry Roundtree more carries. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. it's like, okay, well, we're probably going to have to see what we, you know, give more confidence to Joshua Kelly. And Larry Roundtree is very likely this team's running back three for as many playoff games as they do play. Um, So Mm -hmm. you're probably going to have to give some carries to him as well in this game. That's the thing, too, is that everyone wants to see Spiller. And I think we definitely could, you know, going into this game. But they have Larry Roundtree playing right now because they want guys who can contribute right now, particularly on special teams, but also they kind of feel that way on offense, too. So I don't know how much Spiller we're going to see. But as far as Roundtree goes... I, I feel bad that he comes in. They're up by 21. Chase Daniel comes in. They pull all the offensive linemen. They're like, 
okay, we're going to hand it to you 10 times. Just go die out there. <laughs> and like, of course, it's not really going to work. So like Alex said, I Fair. do want to see him get some, you know, confidence uh, reps, if you will, some handoffs that are in like a, a normal game script. Again, he's probably still with the backups in this case, but at least it's not like the game clock ending, you know, chewing out the clock sort of drives. And maybe we'll go from 1.5 yards to carry to 2.5. Yeah, maybe we get some more of those uh, awesome Larry Roundtree celebrations. <laughs> yeah, the best. Uh, uh, I hope yeah. we get as many Larry Roundtree celebrations as we want. That's the best thing going into the postseason. Give us more of those <laughs> confidence. Point to your watch as many as you want. As long as everyone stays healthy and Larry Roundtree has fun, that's that's all we need this week. Yeah, and you know, regarding Joshua Kelly, I will say there's there's been some unfortunate vision choices if if you want to call them that way that, that kelly's made over the past couple of weeks i feel like he's gone back to trying to force it a little bit too frequently you know there was obviously that that time against the the colts that i had on twitter where um he bounced it way too far and kind of got out left on an island and that's not really you know who joshua kelly is and even sometimes on sunday against the rams there were there were just some some decision making process errors in, in my opinion from Joshua Kelly. So I, I would like to see him get really involved. I mean, you know, he's not going to be somebody that I think you're ever going to see like 15, 20 touches out of when Austin Eckler is healthy. But uh, I think we need to know, and I think the team needs to know if he is able to really handle that kind of workload too. So um, again, if you're resting Austin Eckler, I feel like Joshua Kelly is going to touch the ball a lot anyway. Um, but I, I would like to see Joshua kind of Kelly kind of get back to his, you know, pre-injury self where he's just really confident, makes these the, the smart decisions, the easy decisions, and uh, is able to get those, you know, um, easy yards as much as possible. So, again, it kind of nitpicking a little bit. I still think he's playing well. I'm not saying that he's playing bad or anything like that, but there are some decision errors that I think, you know, even he would say that he would like to take back a little bit more. Yeah, I would agree. I think you pointed out early against the Colts, it was a bit more concerning. Last week, not as much, but you do want to see just right. everything get ironed out. At this point, if it is a tune-up game, yeah, we want to see those things get tuned up. So that's a good call. All right, we'll uh, dive in here next to some key matchups. Uh, again, <laughs> as much as we can uh, <laughs> in this instance. Um, obviously, you know, Alex kind of highlighted the pass rush there. I think that's you know a mm -hmm. certain area that you could highlight as well. Uh, but Tyler, what's your key matchup heading into this into this weekend? Yeah, related to the run game, I'm really curious because we know the tight ends will play at least three of them, probably all four of them. I'm curious how they continue to use their tight ends because I, I really thought these guys played well on Sunday for sure. I thought Trey McKitty had his best game of the season, which isn't saying a ton, but <laughs> he did like legitimately have flashes of his rookie season. There were moments like on you know a touchdown run from Austin Eckler where he was an integral part of that run blocking, which is great. Like That's what you need to see. And I'm really curious how they use these guys because it just felt like because Xander Horvath was not in there that they had these guys on the move more, in the backfield more. Everyone got reps, I think, from the backfield, if I'm not mistaken. Even Gerald Everett, even like the third quarter. So, I mean, they had, they had Trey McKitty block on one of Austin Eckler's first runs. He was the wide receiver out wide and they motioned him all the way down and across the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage to make a block on an Austin Eckler run. And that just seems to suit him a bit more and i thought he just looked better overall in this game um again not a big statement to say it was his best game of the season but like we're talking he was a full liability at points throughout the year and it's funny we're talking about tight ends because of what i was talking to you guys about before the show and, and discord and whatnot but 
I just want to I want to see these guys continue to play well because Staley loved the physicality he said he saw from the offensive line and the blocking groups and the tight ends on Sunday. So I want to see that continue. And I'm really curious how they continue to use these tight ends because you know Horvath was gone. They tried something a bit different. And I'm not saying these guys all play great fullback, you know, reps or whatever, but the run right. game did work and it did look really good. The rush offense, as you pointed out, Stephen went up by five spots in rushing DVOA. So I want to see how they use, you know, 7, 88, 48, 89. How are they using these guys on the field? Does it continue? And if Horvath is back, they just go back to him? Or do they try to work with this a bit more? Yeah, I'm excited to see the tight ends this week as well. You know, especially if we're potentially looking at a, a transitional year. You know, we don't really know what's happening with Donald Parham. Uh, obviously, Trey McKitty has been up and down, mostly down this season. Um, you know, I feel like McKitty's had some decent moments over the last month or so. I, I certainly feel like he's not been as bad as, you know, the previous few months than that. So I think that's a fair assessment there. But, um, you know, Stone Smart, we haven't really seen him get a ton of work a, as a blocker. So I, I, I do think that's an important one for sure. Um, I think for me, the key matchup is is going to be Josh Palmer versus uh, whatever cornerback is playing for the the Denver Broncos, whether that's Patrick Sertan. I hope that's not Patrick Sertan. I hope that's not where they kind of, you know, look to attack with Josh Palmer. But um, just, kind of, again, some things that we want to see tuned up here. You know, Josh Palmer only had the one target last week. Um, he did not have any single catches. Um, the week before that against the Colts, he only had three targets and it was two catches for 16 yards. So he he had been a really important, obviously, piece while while Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were were back, uh, or, or excuse me, were were out. Um, but even the last few weeks since they've been back, you know, against the Dolphins, he had four catches for fifty three yards. Against the Titans, he had five for forty nine. And you know, I I definitely want to see them get him more involved, especially if, if Keenan is and Mike are going to be you know on a bit more of a, a snap restriction this week. So. Um, you know, he's somebody that I think teams are going to really have to, in an ideal world for the Chargers, the teams will have to honor. And I don't know if the current way that they are using him is going to, you know, kind of force teams to respect that third receiver. So, um, you know, if it's Damari Mathis, if he's able to clear concussion protocol, if it's Lamar Jackson, the the other Lamar Jackson, if you will, I, I would like to see Josh Palmer get after it this week and, and ideally get, you know, uh, six, seven targets, you know, 50, 60 yards, and really be able to to get back to the kind of usage rate that we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, just target uh, Demari Mathis and get three more defensive pass interference calls. <laughs> Works like a charm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Alex, your key matchup of the day. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of going to lean into what I said about uh, pass rushing Russell Wilson. So I'm going to talk about the edges uh, a little bit because sort of how we talked about the running backs. This is the group where there's the most chance for, you know, chaos and resting people and figuring out how many reps you want to play people. Because, I mean, Khalil Mack, if I'm not mistaken, has played uh, all 16 games at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, so this could be, you know, a situation where. Do you want to rest Khalil Mack maybe in this game either way? Um, you know, if you want to get him that rest, potentially heading into wildcard weekend, don't know if that's something they'll do in the event that the Ravens, you know, don't think it, it would be something to do if the Ravens do win. Um, but assuming the Ravens lose, I would, you know, try to get Khalil Mack out of there as soon as possible. 
Um, you know, you want to get him just, uh, just as a veteran, you know, with the workload he's had this season. Joey Bosa, right, obviously a big question mark there in terms of how much he's going to play in this game uh, strictly because of, you know, conditioning, coming back from the injury. Um, the Chargers got up, you know, 21 last game. Obviously, we're up 31 to 10, and Joey Bosa was still in there, right, getting his reps, um, you know, for whatever risk it might have taken. But, you know, he looked good in those reps. Obviously, you know, co-led the team in pressures with Morgan Fox. So I'll be curious to see in this season finale, assuming the Chargers don't have anything to play for, or maybe they do, depending on the result of the Ravens game, how much uh, they want to play Joey Bosa in in either instance, I think is key. And then depending on the cl- playing time that somebody or people like Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack get, that obviously affects the next level of edge rushers in uh, Kyle Van Noy, who's obviously been on a hot streak recently the last four games. Uh, and then Chris Rump, <laughs> we sort of talked about Chris Rump, you know, in Tyler's bit uh, in this show, but you'd also like to see Chris Rump gain some confidence if he's able to maybe start sure. uh, for a half or a couple quarters, whatever it might be, or the last quarter of the game. Um, you know, if he can, <laughs> if he can raise that, uh, if he can raise the run stop rate from 1% to 2%, maybe we're going places. Uh, if he can, <laughs> if he could just look playable, in a potential playoff setting, that's all I'd like to mm-hmm. see. Um, it's just getting a little bit better on the edge because I think Chris Rump struggles with, you know, sort of his functional strength issues, but as well as, you know, technique is creative attack rate. Um, so if he does get a big to play in this game, assuming Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa maybe don't play as much, uh, and assuming, you know, maybe even Van Noy is, is sort of a, a, you know, lesser component in this game too, uh, I'd love to see him, you know, get some reps in as much as he can. Uh, prior to the playoffs because he, yeah. he will have to play, you know, some postseason snaps. Yeah, for them to have success and, and truly rush the passer consistently and, and do what they want to do with their other edge rushers, defensive tackles, whatever, Rumpf will have to play meaningful snaps. Maybe it's eight to ten in a game, but, you, I mean, it's the playoffs. Everything matters. So if Chris Rump can go in, he has taken steps forward as a pass rusher. Don't get me wrong. Like, there are things that he does now as a pass rusher where he looks better, and statistically, he's ahead of where he was last year. So if he wants to at least continue with that and that be his role and he get confidence and better reps in that way, cool. I'm all for it. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, just the, the pass rushing class from last year, how they've all been playing this year. And, you know, as a pass rusher, runs about middle of the pack, which I think is uh, is a positive step forward. It's just that that run defense is not necessarily improved. And again, you know, he's been in the right position, just need him to be able mm-hmm. to get into uh a situation where he can finish them so um i I think that's a good spot you know in terms of joey and and his recovery right i think we're all a little bit surprised that he played 24 total snaps um looks great i mean had some awesome moments uh had a couple speed to power rushes that really let me know like okay like he's he's Mm -hmm. back obviously just needs to you know get get his sea legs under him a little bit so i would expect him to maybe push past 30 if he's if he is going to play which i feel like you kind of have to play him this week um so maybe you do kind of push him a little bit more early and then again kind of you know pull him out in the second half and not not let him play so uh, again something more to be curious about how they handle this situation with joey and his recovery this week sorry i'm on a tangent now looking at the hall of fame finalists yeah my guy steve smith keeps on getting snubbed i don't i i don't get it man i don't get it So it's right now it's 13 of the 15, Jared Allen, Ronde Barber, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Revis, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, 
I thought Wayne was in. I thought Harrison. Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson. I mean, I love Steve Smith. I think Reggie Wayne's been snubbed for two years now. I don't remember if it's two year or one year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Smith is eighth all time in, in receiving yards. Like, what are we doing here? It's like his whole career, just a chip on the shoulder. Joe Thomas has to be. This is his first time, right? Because he's first ballot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. He's in. Joe Thomas is is arguably the best offensive lineman of like the last 20 years. So even though he played for the Browns, he should absolutely get in first ballot. That's why he should. <laughs> um, Antonio Gates. Been, wait, wait. Rondé Barber's been eligible three times and he hasn't gotten in? I guess. I don't know. It's That's, it's so uh, hard to get in. As a, what it says here. Yeah. So, but uh, Ed Miesis asking about Antonio Gates. His is next year, right? That would be his class. Sure. I feel like it's been years. a long time, but yeah. Wouldn't it be from when he retired? 2018 was his last season, right? I guess uh, <laughs> he didn't play. Yeah, he didn't play 19 because that was all that was all Hunter Henry at that time, I think. Is it from when you retire or from when your final game is, though? I don't know. Oh, that's right. Because he did like maybe it was 19. Because he retired like in 2020. So his last game was in 2018. Hmm. So he did not play a game in 2019, but I remember him like. There were like rumors of him like playing somewhere else all year long or something like that. So I, I think it's I think it's five years after you officially retire. So he might be two years away then. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But yeah, he's <laughs> next year would be the earliest that he would be eligible. Next next January, essentially. Sure. He's a lock. The real discussion becomes when when Rivers is eligible. That'll be one to we'll all be watching for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, any other thoughts here as we uh, wrap up our uh, show tonight uh, in terms of previewing the Broncos game? It's just nice, man. Like it's the sixth seed at worst. It's probably going to be the fifth seed. I mean, everything indicates that it is going to be the fifth seed. Just everyone has to do their jobs. Was it the Bengals who beat the Ravens last time to knock the Chargers out of the postseason and get the Bills in. Yes. Yep. yep. Look at that. There we go. <laughs> so now we need the you know the other way around. Yeah, let's get into the postseason. Well, yeah. we're in, but you know. Yeah, I. Uh, it was really funny walking into that stadium on Sunday. It like it definitely did not feel like a normal like walking into the stadium kind of you know atmosphere and just like the way that you know overall like everybody's vibe and mood was around so Mm -hmm. um you know brooke and i kind of just headed into the stadium and we're like man we're like there's no stress there's no nerves like obviously we (laughs) wanted them to win but it was like oh if they lose today whatever you know that's cool they're they're still fine but Mm -hmm. um you know now potentially getting to to rest some starters in week 18 is, is uh you know quite a turn of events from the last you know six weeks ago yeah, it was so mellow that like ask my dad, I never eat at the games. I had two hot dogs. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> like that shows my confidence, but also I've been regretting that. Today's Wednesday. I am still regretting that decision. 
<laughs> Me and Peter are on the same. Listen, you oh, think I'm streaming God. from my room? <laughs> you know, I think uh, obviously we did the Rose Bowl on uh, Monday, which we will not talk about that result. Um, but I think we walked past like probably 35 or 40 of those like little hot dog stands that are outside the stadium. And every mm-hmm. single time, me and Brooke were like, oh, man, those smell so good. But it's like, you don't want to risk it, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Getting a hot dog at one of those is always a very risky uh, decision. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of uh, hot dog stands outside of uh, both of those stadiums. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend chowing down on, on two hot dogs and an energy drink and a little <laughs> bit of beer. You know, I just just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, you got the the whole uh, Thunder Alley experience, and then you know, uh, yeah, I had Korean barbecue before that, and it was it was, uh, yeah, not a good mix of things <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, Alex, any final thoughts, man? Um, are we just talking about the game? Whatever you want to talk about. Any final thoughts? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I would be kind of remiss uh, if we didn't mention the DeMar Hamlin thing. Obviously, that happened on Monday night um, because, honestly, it has been weird uh, to talk about, really talk about it, um, you know, on this podcast, on Twitter, just kind of getting back into the games. Um, so happy that we could do that in the way that we did tonight. Obviously, people are kind of still in shock on that situation for DeMar Hampton and his family as well. Um, but yeah, it, it has been a little weird to just get into, you know, what did the Chargers have to do to be the Broncos? Because this week doesn't really feel like that or talk about the playoff scenario, but hoping for the best for DeMar's family and obviously hoping for, um, you know, the, the best as we, you know, continue into the season. Yeah. Uh, I was not watching the game when that happened. And, um, you know, we were just getting text message updates from some of Brooks family. And, you know, they, they texted us that one of the bills players collapsed and that they were doing CPR. And it was just like, you know, obviously we were, you know, after the, the Rose bowl, very upset about that game. And then the, the mood just obviously changed and shifted to, you know, just being so concerned about, uh, Damar and, you know, his situation. And, you know, went back and looked and he was somebody that I really wanted the Chargers to draft and somebody that I thought that uh, would check a lot of boxes for them in terms of being that that, you know, extra safety that you know, the Chargers frankly still need. Um, but it just it's I think it's a reminder of how fragile these NFL careers are. Not that we necessarily needed one, um, but, you know, it just took it wasn't even a super violent hit, man. It was just like a. a you know, routine hit that happens to hit just the the minuscule right spot and, uh, you know, caused a player to, you know, have uh, a cardiac arrest uh, situation in the middle of a football game. So um was was definitely scary getting all of the updates. Uh, like Alex said, I, you know, I'm rooting for him to come back and be able to function at a, at a normal, you know, human being level. And if he can play football again, you know, that's kind of gravy on top. But um, first and foremost, hope he's able to recover and function at a, at a normal level again. Um, sending all the thoughts and prayers to him. You know, if you're religious, um, you know, as I happen to be, I think we 
we all need to send some of those uh, prayers up towards Cincinnati and Buffalo. And um, hopefully he's able to, like I said, you know, recover from this and, and live a normal life again. Yeah, 100%. I, I love the way that people have rallied around the situation and his foundation. I think it's at like $6 million now. Yeah. I think the, the initial goal was like 25000 or something maybe for him. Oh, it was like 2500 <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. So to be at, you know, far beyond that is is really beautiful. And I hope he can see that. Absolutely. It, it was such a tough thing because I wasn't watching it live either. I got about 15 minutes, you know, just on the Twitter updates, sitting on the couch watching, you know, Twitter replays and reactions. And I just started getting emotional over the whole situation. It's yeah. just it's so scary, so upsetting seeing the Bills players, how they reacted. Uh, just awful, awful stuff. So yeah, absolutely prayers up for him. I hope you know he pulls through. It seems like he's in really good care. It seems like things are trending positive. So hopefully that keeps going. Hopefully people keep donating and um, you know, try to be the good people on social media and on your media platforms and don't be like some other people who uh took it for you know this opportunity to say some awful things. Yeah, yeah honestly. Um, obviously, you know, donate to, to Mars uh, toy drive if you if you can. Uh, obviously, that's great that you know the NFL players and owners rallied around. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was just scary watching that game uh, as it happened and uh, as it happened live. And we, I think we're at a point where Ryan Clark uh, kind of said it best: where we become, whether you're watching the games or you're playing in the games, uh, a little bit desensitized. Hundred uh, percent violence and and everything that happens around us, and it only takes you know one moment to change all of that um so that was just kind of my thought heading into the game because it's sort of like when you know when there's an ambulance on the field instead of a, a stretcher that's you know sort of where the situation becomes uh really scary like that and you know in addition to the injury reports and stuff like that that we talk about every week for for someone's life to be um mm -hmm. on the line like that just a scary situation in general and sending all the best yeah, Solo pointing out in the chat that it's about to be seven million dollars. Wow. So, okay, um, if you're able to, you know, obviously, you know, feel free to go and uh, donate to that. And then, obviously, Jameson pointing out that it does it does sound like there's been some positive developments. I think they um, decreased his oxygen level from 100 percent to 50 percent, if I'm not mistaken, this morning. Um, so, hopefully, that continues, man. And um, you know, one other thing I do want to mention here, um, you know, I have an uncle who's uh, an ambulance driver himself, and uh, those people are, are severely underpaid, and I thought that uh, the EMT workers that arrived on that scene did, frankly, a fantastic job handling that kind of circumstance. Um, and so, uh, you know, sending some positive vibes their way. Hopefully, they're, you know, in some good spirits today as well. Yes, one hundred percent. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us today. Um, we'll let you guys know when and where we'll do our usual Saturday Q and A um again with our uh you know usual picks and things like that too so um should be a fun weekend obviously we get uh saturday nfl football and then we get you know monday national championship for the college so uh mm -hmm. best time of the year in my opinion is uh that winter football stretch so um hopefully we'll uh i'll be some good uh, big time Bengals fans this week and uh hopefully chargers can get some much needed rest into the playoff picture so uh for tyler and alex and myself we'll be uh signing off and we'll see you guys next time This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.